It is Wednesday evening. What is today? What is today? Today is October 21st. Love that. We're getting into the dog days of fall, I guess, right? Um, we got a little Wake Forest preview pod for you. We got a little special surprise guest. Well, not not a uh, not a surprise guest. You see in the description. Bryce Chalkley is joining the podcast after a 85-episode hiatus. Uh, the Suns! Oh! There he is. Uh, he he is uh, a former guest from back in uh, back in September. Lots changed between now and then. But first, we got to kick things off with a hokey haiku, brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy. And Bryce, you've been listening to probably a lot of those eighty-five episodes between now and then. Can you tell us what you know about the Main Street Pharmacy and Doctor Jeremy Counts? Yeah, I've heard I've heard quite a bit about Jeremy. That's for sure. Um, from what I understand, Jeremy is the number one pharmacist in the New River Valley, arguably number one in the whole state. And I know when I finally walk in there and meet Jeremy for the first time, he's definitely going to greet me with a smile because at the Main Street Pharmacy, you're more than a number. You're a neighbor. <laughs> Unbelievable. How'd I do, job. boys? How'd I do? Unbelievable. Boys? Sign him up. Sign, Sign him, him up. up. Get this guy on. Um, that was great. So thank you, Bryce. Head on down to the Main Street Pharmacy. You know the drill. Uh, Check them out for Sons of Saturday merchandise. I think I think it's a 10-day countdown, maybe even exclusive. exclusive. You can only get it there. You can only get it there. Excited to to get pictures of Jeremy of people lined up six feet away on the street trying to get their SOS merch. Gonna be a very exciting thing. So hokey haiku. Here we go. Golfer guest on pod. Breaking down footballery. Let's beat Wake Forest. So uh, for those who don't know, Bryce, Bryce is a very good friend of ours. Golf clap. clap. Former all-ACC golfer for the Hokies. Former former, uh, team captain. Represented Tech from 2010 to 2014. And uh, now is dwelling in Charlotte, North Carolina. So Bryce, welcome back to Sons of Saturday. How are you? I'm doing great. Like I said a year ago, residing here in Lane Stadium North. Again, it's been a while. It's been longer. Now the last time we talked, but uh, we'll get back there one day. I said that last time, and I still stand by it. You mean Lane South? <laughs> oh yes, sons of bad geography. <laughs> so uh, we have to address this. The last time we synced up, it was the three of us. It was the second ever Sons of Saturday episode. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. We were still recording on Skype. We were using our Apple headphones, uh, oh, and you know we didn't have any fancy mics or anything. Bryce came on to talk about Drive for 25. You know, we got a, a former athlete, Hokies for Hokies, loves the Hokie Club, knows that giving back is cool and makes a big difference. That was actually the name of the podcast episode from September 26th <laughs> of 2019. Uh, let me let me read this description because it's kind of hilarious. Because Billy and I had only hung out like twice at this point. Uh, this was the first time Bryce had ever talked with Billy. Like, who's this Bryce guy? Bill is rejoined by Hokie Club ambassador Pat Finn, accompanied by his lifelong Hokie homie, Bryce Chalkley, to talk about the drive for 25. For less than the cost of three rails at TOTS, you too can join the alumni club at Virginia Tech and help better the school you love for the next generation of Hokies. That is that is really good. That is I think it's pretty I think that's pretty good. You got some rhymes in there. Um 
Yeah, I, I think this this must have been if I'm saying he's rejoined by Hooky Club Ambassador, this must have been back in the Speakeasy podcast days. It may have still been the Speakeasy podcast. Man, this I, is I think it was your second episode after the It Just Means More one. Mm-hmm. So I think it was mm-hmm. your second episode. Um, you know, and to be blunt, you you might have peaked. I mean, that introduction was was fantastic. Oh man. Well, Aside from that, can you catch us up on just everything that's happened since then? Uh, Bryce, just kind of give us the quick rundown of since you've come on the Sons of Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat informed me that I think two or three, day, three, two or three days later after we pressed record uh, was the Duke game. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, that kind of started the catalyst for everything that's gone on with the football team. Obviously, Ryan Willis gets benched, and last year was the – you know, after that, the rest was history. He had a great year. Um, and then we rolled into the Mike Young era. As far as my life goes, um, you know, not much. Still residing here in Charlotte. Uh, got married. Had Woo! both of you in the attendance. Pat was standing up there with me as one of my groomsmen. Um, and, yeah, now I'm uh, just hanging wait, out. Wait, 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 wait. An ode to Section 5. You got you to gotta share the vow. You got to share the one golden vow that everybody would love. So the, it's, it's funny you meant you bring that up, Billy, because I don't even know if you were there for my vow. I was watching from 500, 500 yards away because I went yeah. to the wrong. I'm pretty confident you were, you were still at a, a different venue at the time. So, uh, you know, kudos to that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I made sure that in my vows, uh, I specifically stated when and how I would ever leave a Virginia Tech game early. And I made it very clear that um we had to be up 21 to 0 and have the ball and the origin of that actually funny enough was at the Pittsburgh game last year it was 28 to 0 when we forced Pittsburgh to punt yet again with like 8 minutes to go in the fourth quarter it's raining it's cold mm-hmm. my wife's got hand warmers down in her boots she she's been a trooper all day she's got her poncho on you name it and she looks at me and goes can we leave and first time in three years of having season <laughs> tickets with her, I said, okay, because wow. she had, she had done everything I wanted to do all day long, you know, toughed it out in the rain and she, she had had enough and the game was over. And I said, you know what? That's fine. Look at that. Look at that. Me sons of meeting in the middle. So hats off to you, uh, Bryce for that. Yeah. Hashtag- she would say, I don't, she would say I don't compromise much, but uh, <laughs> I, I gave her that one. <laughs> Hashtag up three touchdowns with the ball is the agreement there. So that's great. And then, yeah, you, you came on for the Drive for 25 episode. And now we got uh, we got Brad and Evan coming on a couple times a year, breaking down the hooky club. Listen to that one. Billy did a, a lunchtime special earlier this week with Brad Worthman and Evan Massengill, uh, breaking down some hooky club initiatives that they've been doing. So be sure to check that out out if you haven't already so last thing i promise before we jump into the game but this is kind of related a lot of people out there you know there's there is a pandemic going on bryce our good friend was supposed to be on the boston college preview bryce picks up the phone and says guys i love you i was prepared to do it but things have things have changed bryce chalkley has been dealing with the coronavirus and we thought it may be behoove to learn a little bit about how you're doing, how it's affecting you now. Just kind of fill us in. 
Yeah, Bill, thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for uh, touching up on that and coming back to that. Um, yeah, that is true. I did test positive for COVID. Um, not fun. Uh, I've been home for 10 days now. Um, I, you know, I think for five of them, I didn't even leave the guest bedroom. My wife finally had to get in the car and drive somewhere because it was just going crazy in this small apartment. But uh, not going to lie to you boys. It's uh, it's no joke. When I called y'all last Wednesday, I was, I had a fever, I had a cough. I was struggling. Like I really wanted to be on, and you know, I love you guys. I mm-hmm. love listening to your pod have probably bugged you guys too much about bringing me back on, but I just, I didn't have it. Um, and it's, it's been a tough road to recovery. I, I can be honest about that. No, I think this is uh, well, first and foremost, glad to see that you're on the bounce back doing better. Thinking of you, really glad to have you on the podcast. But I've said this before, and I've never kind of you know referenced somebody that's actually had it or has dealt with it. But I've said, hey, look, when you're getting a player back after they've had COVID, <laughs> you're not getting that same player back. They've just been really sick. So my question to you is, how do you feel physically right now? Like, how how do you feel if you had to go do something? Go had to go do something athletic. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel run down to be blunt. I, I joked with you guys earlier that it's tough to do a load of laundry. Um, by the end of it, you're just a little winded and you just don't have the energy you're used to. So when these guys are out and the expectation is to come back and be exactly how they were before, I mean, we just don't know the full story. Everybody's affected differently by it. I certainly was beat up by it. I'm sure there's plenty of guys on the team that feels the same way. So we don't know those discussions. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. So if a guy's maybe cleared to go, but not playing at full speed or not playing as much as we expect them to, that's probably the reason. I mean, this is, this has been tough for me and it has lingered around for, for a lot longer than I thought it would. And I'm sure plenty of guys are experiencing the same thing. Well, Bryce, get better soon. We're happy. We're excited for you. And shout out to Macy for just doing the look sons of compromises, making sure you're, you're taken care of. So shout out to Macy as well, but let's talk about this football game. Pat's going to kick it off with some hokey history as he does every week. Pat hit us with the hokey history. Yeah. I was going to say, Bryce, glad you're doing better. We're going to need you next weekend uh, for some Nico sushi before I uh, skip town here on Charlotte, but uh, hokey history. So the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, we got them on Saturday. It's a big one. Every game's a big one. It's ACC play. But uh, overall, we've played uh, 38 games against Wake Forest. Uh, you know, since we joined the ACC in 2004, we've definitely played them more frequently than beforehand. 1916 was our first ever matchup against Wake Forest. And we played them the next uh, four years after that as well through 1919. Here's some fun facts for you. 1916, shutout, 52 nothing. 1917, 50 nothing. 1918, 27 nothing. 1919, 40 0. 1954, played them again, 32 to 0. Wake Forest did not score a point on us until 1955, where they defeated us 13 nothing in our first game ever in Winston Salem. That is uh, interesting when you dig back deep into those archives. Shout out Damien and the Hokie Sports website. But overall, we are 25-12-1 against Wake Forest and 5-1 and in those contests since 2004 when we joined the ACC. 
we all, we all know about that, uh, that tally in the loss column there. We don't have to talk about that too much, but that was our last time we went out to Winston-Salem, uh, which it was then called BB&T Stadium or BB&T Field. Now it is called Truist Stadium. Uh, for the finance buffs out there, Truist acquired BBMT. Is that correct, Bryce? Uh, so BB&T and SunTrust actually merged, and that is the, the new name following that merger. There we go. You got to have a resident finance guy on every podcast. Otherwise, you're making boo-boos like I just did. But uh, <laughs> most recently, we defeated the Demon Deacons, who were ranked 22nd in the country. We won 36-17. to 17. Hendon Hooker had a great day. Uh, we took down the one-two punch of Jamie Newman and Sage Surratt. Um, 2011, David Wilson ran out of his shoes in Winston-Salem, if you guys remember that one. 2010, we crushed, crushed Wake Forest at home. I don't know if you guys remember that game. We were up, I think it was like 49 to, we, we scored 49 points at halftime. We ended up winning 52 to 21. Josh Harris was the back on Wake Forest. And I think he ran for over 200 yards. That's a throwback. 2006, crushed them. 27 to six, a great defensive effort in Winston-Salem. I uh, had a, I remember Eddie Royal had a pretty sweet touchdown and uh, so did Josh Morgan. Josh Morgan totally uh, just trucks it, sticked one of their CBs and 2004, 17, 10. So that is your uh, little take on hokey history. Well, let's Pat, get into one the thing, game Pat, here. Just real quick. One thing you didn't highlight there is last year, Wake Forest game, sons of section five front row with the Barlows. You had on your fresh, Old school not Nokia Sugar Bowl. 95. Like 95. Texas. And we got some great picks with you, you know, just standing there after we, we had a great second half. It was an all-world day. Weather was beautiful. The sweatshirt was great. Uh-huh. How can you how unfor- can you bring up the history of Wake Forest and not mention last year's game? That was an unfor- unforgettable. Well, last day. year's attire, excuse me. Yes, exactly. Had to had to rock the throwback that day. So that was a ton of fun. We will roll into some game storylines here presented by the Chesapeake Center for complete dentistry. Shout out my guy, Dr. Cranham and Dr. Caitlin Cranham. I'm heading down there in a couple of weeks. I'm getting my teeth checked out. Remember, I, I chipped my tooth back in January. We're finally getting to it. We're finally going to fix it. And uh, we're going to provide some live contentory. We're going to make a little vlog. Shout out Grayson. He'll be able to put some of our clips together. And uh, head on down to the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Get you some 50% off teeth bleachery when you tell them the sun sent you. Uh, they got a lot of stuff going on down there. So, uh, so hit them up. Billy Ray, I want to hear your uh, your initial takes here on this Wake Forest team. All right. So this didn't really fit into offense or defense. I just wanted to talk about Wake from a very high level. No, we're sales guys. Kind of zoom out. 2,000 foot view here. So Wake Forest, you're going to look at the scoreboard tomorrow and you're going to say, oh, two and two. Do they suck? Because everybody just likes to do that. And here's the deal. Two and two is a little bit deceiving. They lost to Clemson and they were the only team to hold them under 40 points on on the schedule. They threw for almost 300 yards against Clemson as well. And then they barely lost to NC State. And NC State, look, NC State's a good football team. Uh, this was a week before we were playing NC State. Uh, and if you want to compare the two, um, NC State ran the ball all over Wake Forest. They had 49 runs for 270 yards for a 5.5 average. So that bodes well for the Hokies. If you want to go back to the Clemson game as well. Uh, again, they just looked 
they looked solid against Clemson. It was one of the first, I think it was the first primetime game of ACC play of the year. Uh, Travis Etienne had 17 carries for 102 yards, um, but they lost 37-13. They played them, they played them pretty solid. So they had their Notre Dame game canceled earlier in the season. Um, but this is not your typical two and two team. Wake Forest is Wake Forest is solid. So I just wanted to kind of kick it off at that. So we brushed over it there, but let's jump right into the offense. We got a couple playmakers. We got some film from the last few games. Bryce, uh, who we got and what did we see? Yeah, so I've touched on uh, a couple names already, but the guys that I have written down, uh, obviously the quarterback, uh, Sam Hartman, uh, the backup running back, or they kind of split time, uh, Bill Smith, but the guy I'm looking at is Kenneth Walker, and then the, the, the wideout threat and Ja'Cory Robinson. Um, you know, watching this team, I was mainly focused on last week's game. You know, I know they played four games, but they played NC State over a month ago, and then they had the game against Clemson, which it's not really a fair fight for anyone right now. And then they played uh, Campbell two weeks ago. But looking at the UVA game, I mean, they came out hot. I mean, they came out running and gunning. I think in the first eight plays, they were already up 14 nothing. A uh, big part of those drives was Sam Hartman throwing the ball deep. Uh, first drive, he threw a 49-yard pass to AT a 40-yard pass, my apologies, to AT Parrot for a AT Perry for a touchdown. And then the next drive um, on the second play threw another deep ball to Jacory Robinson. And just like that, boom, 14 nothing. Came out really hot. It kind of reminded me a lot of what Boston College did against us. You know, you look at those those first two drives, they marched right down the field both times. Both drives were about 50 yards and Fortunately, they laid the ball on the ground and we were able to pick it up and really change the momentum of the game. So I expect Wake Forest to come out, come out hot again and try to stretch the field and test our young secondary. Um, the key stat I'm really looking at, though, if you look at the last three games, Kenneth Walker has um, had 100 yards in all three games. And then there are two wins this season. He's got 260 rushing yards on the ground and three touchdowns. So if we let him get loose and get hot like UVA did in the second half of that game, it's going to be a lot tighter than we want it to be. Yeah, just uh, Kenneth Walker was definitely the name that stood out to me. Uh, he's actually the leading touchdown scorer in the ACC right now, and he is fourth in the United States with seven touchdowns. And he's only a sophomore, um, so he's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Let's do some uh, goods versus bads. Uh, for First of all, for those of you that don't know, Sage Surratt did opt out of the football season this year. Uh, so if you remember him from last year, he will not be participating in this game. But things that Wake does really well. Wake Forest does not turn the football over. They do a great job of taking care of the football. They have one turnover in four games with zero interceptions. They are winning the, the turnover ratio by plus eight. They are fourth in the ACC in offense with 443 yards per game behind the Hokies. We have 484. And they're top five in pass at 278 yards per game. They had 309 against Virginia last week. That's a lot of good stuff. But here's some bad stuff. Wake Forest. They have been sacked 16 times this year. That is fifth worst in the ACC. Uh, this is going to have a real opportunity for Belmar and Justice Reed to get after the quarterback. So I'm definitely going to be looking out for that. And by average, they have the 11th ranked rushing attack in the ACC, 3.9 yards per carry and around 164 yards per game. So that's kind of the you know top down on their offense. 
Let's go over to their defense. Bryce, I hate to say it. Like, we talked about this before we pressed record. Their defense is just kind of, I don't know, man. What's the deal with their defense? Yeah, I, I don't want to say it's it's, it's nameless because I would, you know, not give credit to the, the guys working hard on their end. But when you watch their games, I mean, all the offensive players, they, they, they jump out of the page. They got a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I watched the UVA game twice this week, and I, I still can't tell you one player. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, like I'm not a professional or as good as you guys at paying attention and focusing on all the players, but it's a fairly forgettable unit. I mean, they, they give up a lot of ball. They give up a lot of uh, yards on the ground. Um, they didn't really attack Virginia. The two, ter- the two interceptions they forced, one was an interception at the end of the half, and the other one was a terrible ball by – uh, Lyndon Stone, I think, I think's his name. It's hard to keep up with the Virginia one of quarterbacks, the quarterbacks think, over there. Yeah, <laughs> I think they, I think they played seven of them last week or something. I don't know. Um, they maybe they'll let the punter play quarterback like Clemson did. I think a little different situation over there at Clemson, but you know, it, maybe it could work. Um, you know, there, it's. I, I personally think Hookers and Herbert and the squad is is going to tear it up against them, and you know if our defense plays to their capability, it's going to be very similar to last week. There is yeah. a lone bright spot of this defense. I, I, I hear you can dance. Billy, tell me about Mr. Boogeyman. All right. So Carlos, <laughs> I, I'm finding this out now. You did type it in the notes mid podcast. I don't know about his dancing skills, but I do know that Carlos Boogie Basham is top five in the ACC with sacks. He has four sacks on the season but he's just about the only one on their defense doing anything because the rest of their defense has four sacks total. So that is second worst in the ACC coming in at eight sacks. Um, not a great showing from Wake Forest there, but one of the units that caught my eye, they do have a good special teams unit. They are uh, very, very solid across all of their special teams. They have the number one kick return team in the USA, but sons of flawed statistics. They <laughs> have only returned four kicks so it's a very limited sample size, but they do have a good kick return unit. These are two good kick return units. People don't talk enough about Virginia Tech's kick return. Khalil Herbert's back there. When he touches the ball, good things happen. So that's that. So I'm just going to go ahead with the matchups that I like. I really, really, really like our defensive line against their defensive line. They've given up 16 sacks, like I've said. Justice Reed is due. Amari Barno has been coming into his own. Linebacker play was better last week. I'm really, really, really excited about our front seven. Um, so that's who I'm going to go with. Bryce, do you have any matchups that you're fired up about coming up here against Wake? You know, it's hard not to be excited about our run game against their front seven. Like I mentioned, when when UVA brought in, uh, you know, the three-headed monster quarterback, it wasn't seven. I'm sorry. It was just an easy shot there. Um, they were really able to run the ball and score some points on Wake Forest. Uh, if it wasn't for some missed field goals in the third quarter, that could have been a completely different game. And I expect us to run the ball qu- quite often with H- Hooker and Herbert, and you know that's really going to open up passing lanes. I agree. And then the matchups that we don't love or unsure of is just the inverse of what I just said. I'm really excited about our D-line in front seven against the pass game. But this is kind of a prove-it game for our defensive line and our linebackers when it comes to the run game. We weren't great in stopping the run against North Carolina State. We were abysmal in stopping the run against North Carolina. 
Um, but this is really the first time that we're going to have, you know, I don't know who's available, but I have, but I anticipate this will be the most guys that we've had on defense. This is a good group of backs. Bryce, you talked about it. So I'm really interested to see how our linebackers do respond, how our front seven responds in the run game. Cause we have yet to see us really kind of, um, put a hold to that with Boston college being so bad at running the ball. Is there another matchup that you're a little unsure of here, Bryce? I mean, I am mainly looking at our defense here as the reason why we win or lose this game. Uh, you know, you've talked about the front seven, you know, the thing that stood out to me at Wake Forest when they were scoring a bunch of points in the first half is on every single drive, they scored, a, they scored points. They had a pass that they completed for over 30 yards. And if our secondary is able to diminish that and take that away from them and take that, you know, that catalyst for each drive away from them, I, I think it's going to be a long day. I mean, I, I've shared with you all quite often, our, our offense has been taking care of business since Hooker started. And if our defense is, you know, plays to their ability and keeps Wake Forest under 30 points, I just don't see how we don't walk, walk away with a W in Winston-Salem. Yeah, I'm on board with that as well. So let's talk about what we would like to see in this game coming up. The one thing that I was thinking when I was watching the UVA game uh, this past week when they jumped out to that lead is like, we can't start the game the way that we started against Boston college. We can't come out and kind of pitter patter around and wait for something good to happen for us to wake up. Like I would like us to come out fire on all cylinders. We're a good football team. We run the ball effectively. We have talent on defense. Uh, can't sleepwalk through the first quarter of the first couple of drives. Cause you're going to find yourself in a hole like UVA did the other day. So that really is what I'd like to see. I'd also like to see who's going to be, and again, don't take this as me saying we need to pass the ball because I, we're a running football team. Like that is what we do. But if we're going to compete for an ACC title, if we're going to compete against the Clemsons of the world, if we're going to compete against the Miamis of the world, I look at our roster. Okay. You got Khalil Herbert. He's holding down the running back position. You got an offensive line. We have one of the best in the country. You look at the tight end position. We have James Mitchell, who's been, just been transformational this year. And then you look at quarterback. We have Hendon Hooker. Who's going to be the skill guy that lines up out wide that's going to step up. Is it going to be Trey Turner? Is it going to be Tavion Robinson? Is it going to be one of the transfers and fairs or Hodge? Who's going to be that additional guy or will it be by committee? But I'm waiting to see who kind of takes over that spot. Bryce, what are you looking for and what would you like to see coming up this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to give you two names. Um, on one on each side of the ball. The first is Raheem Blackshear. Um, I feel like if there's any player that's been underutilized in his offense, it would be him. And it's I, I, like, I don't think it's his fault. I don't think it's Brad Corlson's fault. I just think it's hard to spread the ball around when, when things are working. Um, and we've all been excited to see what he can do in space. I mean, Fuente has raved about it. I mean, we've talked constantly about Fuente has said he's one of the best, if not the best football players he's ever seen. And I think it was, was in the third or fourth quarter last week where um, they got him the ball in the open field. And it, it was just like another level of speed that we hadn't seen. And he scored. And we were like, wow, why are I, we doing that? I mean, I think he could be like a Percy Harvin for us. That's like the first name that came to mind. Um, and then the other name, which I don't think we're really talking about it as much, is Devin Taylor. Uh, the transfer from Illinois State. I yep. think he he subbed in for for Jenkins last week. He was awesome. I mean, he he really added a spark to that secondary. Uh, I think he's playing safety, which he 
didn't play uh, at his former school. Um, and he stepped in and did some great stuff. I know he had a forced fumble there in the first quarter, had some other tackles. Um, you know, he did a really nice job. So those are the two guys I'm really looking uh, to one to step to step up and one to uh, maybe be used a little more. Here's what I would like to see. As far as out of the defense, the last two quarterbacks we squared up against both went for over 300 yards. Obviously had some guys out for Carolina, still had some guys out last week, but it seems like the entire defensive room uh, should be getting closer to having uh, you know 100% here this upcoming weekend. Phil Drukovic went over uh, 345 yards. Sam had you know a ton of those dumping uh, dinking dunks, as Billy was calling it. How can we contain <laughs> Sam Howell? And can we hold him to you know maybe sub 250, maybe sub 200, have a big day? But on the offensive side of the ball, I would like to see uh, two guys go for 100 here. That's not Hendon Hooker. I don't think Hooker needs to, to be putting his body on the line against Wake Forest. Um, but I would love to see Blackshear and Khalil Herbert both go for 100 yards here. I think this is uh, could have the potential to be the game that you really see the offense start to take the top off. And like we've seen a lot of points, we're averaging over 40 points, 42 to be exact. But I think this could be one of those games with how limited Wake Forest's defense is to just completely take the top off uh, and mainly having that focus in the ground game yet again here. Yeah, uh, Bryce, glad glad you kept me honest. I feel remiss that I missed out on Blackshear. But again, I'm kind of like, I'm wondering, like, what are we going to do with Blackshear? Is he going to be more taking more reps out of the backfield? Is he going to be taking more reps out of the slot? But he's definitely one of those guys that can step up and kind of be that next guy that's going to um, be making plays and getting higher volume. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. So we're going to move over here to keys to the game. Billy Ray's been doing the hub ad. He's been reading the hub ad. It's been really funny every time. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do some jumping. I'm going to start jumping over to the hub. Keys to the game is brought to you by the hub Blacksburg. Listen, this is the next elite housing complex in Blacksburg, Virginia. You know, there's been some great ones that have come in over the past few years. Blacksburg is growing and the student body is growing as well. And every student needs a place to rest their head at night. Well, look no further than the Hub Blacksburg. They got the jacuzzi set up. I said, hey, what are you doing tonight? He's like, all right, I'm going to go hang out in my jacuzzi. You know, you don't, you don't need to go out to uh, the local YMCA to get your fill in at the, uh, at the jacuzzi. Got the gym, Coach Hillegard doing curls over there. Totally still Billy's joke. Sorry, Billy. And uh, jump in there. Go to the Hub. Sign with the hub, you'll get $235 off uh, between application and administration fees for your lease. If you tell them the Sons of Saturday sent you, uh, they are the official partner for housing in Blacksburg. The hub is not just in Blacksburg, Virginia. If you well, are. Pat, hold on, hold on, oh. Pat. I got breaking news. I got breaking news for you. We got a specials update. We got an update for specials. Fill a two-by-two unit. Both leases signed, and you get free parking for one year. That is a $120 value. You get to park your car for free at the hub. Everybody wants to park their car. Nobody wants to pay $120. So fill a two-by-two. You get that. And if you you take an 
you take an in-person tour or schedule a virtual tour, they are literally just going to give you a $10 gift card. It could be to Chili's. It could be to Buffalo Wild Wings. It could be a Visa. They're going to pay you to just see what they have going on. And I promise you're going to like what they have going on. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Pat. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bill, like, you know, we got some guys listening to this podcast. They got, you know, their son or daughter who's at Auburn or Georgia, you know, some SEC school and the hub's already there. Maybe they want to check out the hub Tuscaloosa or the hub Columbia, Missouri. I don't know. I know, I know the hubs, uh, it's all over the place. So check out, check your local listings, see where the hub can serve you. Hubs got the keys. We got the keys to your hub apartment. What is it? Bill, can just do that? We're going to give you the keys to the game. The hub's going to give you the keys to your new apartment. I don't even know if they do keys anymore. They might do the whole virtual thing. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Got to go see and find out. They'll give you $10 to find out. So go find out. Um, aside from that, here are my keys to the game. Wake Forest can score the football. I don't know if they can play a whole lot of defense. But you know what? The Whoever the Sons of Saturday are for Wake Forest, since we haven't set up the way Sons of Saturday for Wake Forest yet, whoever's over there doing their podcast, they're saying – I'm not sure Virginia Tech can play defense. And that's a completely fair assumption. So what cannot happen? We, can't turn the t- we cannot turn the football over, win the turnover battle, and the defense. I'm looking at you a little sideways. Defense had a solid game last week, got gifted with a couple of turnovers. Want to see the defense really get their feet under them. I know we talked about it last week. We have a little bit of a schematical difference with the defensive line that I think has led to a little bit of a challenge, especially with guys being out. But those are my two keys to the game. Bryce, give me the keys. It's got to be the defense. Uh, Like you said, I mean, I think our offense is going to show up. They're going to take care of business. And if we just keep the other team uh, off the scoreboard, we're going to win. I mean, looking at, you know, how Wake Forest scored last week, it's all the big plays. I mean, a 75-yard rush, a 49-yard touchdown pass, a 37-yard touchdown pass. If we limit the big plays and make them and force them to go the length of the field slowly, we're going to wear this team out. And, you know, I fully expect us to do that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's my keys to the game. I know I'm sounding like a broken record on here. I think a key to the game, again, is going to be applying pressure to Sam Hartman early and often. We only had one sack uh, on Phil Dracovic, and uh, we're lucky to force some errors, uh, whether it was him getting picked off a couple times or them just not knowing how to hold on to the football. Uh, but for me, it is uh, the Virginia Tech defensive line and uh, front seven. I'm saying it. it. I'm saying it. I wasn't going to say it. I'm how many? Sa- it. How many sacks? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going over. Over three and a half sacks on Saturday. Over three and a half. Is that a hot take? Like is that a hot take? I don't know if it's a hot take, but it's my take. So I'm saying. I'm saying over three and a half sacks. On Saturday, speaking I was into say, existence with the uh, with the aggression there, I thought you were going to give me like a you know seven or eight. Should we do but, four and uh, a half? That's a weak take. They're averaging four, averaging giving up four a game. So you're going to say that we're going to bring the average down with that quote unquote. Well, we haven't been take. getting to the quarterback. We haven't been getting to the quarterback recently. Okay, so let's reset the bar. Let's reset I the bar five, here. Five. I think five. Uh, okay, five and a half. Five and a half sacks, because because we have we have an over under coming up here from the letters in the lunch pail. I just wanted to start a little earlier. Let's go five and a half sacks. I if it's at five and a half, I'm going to go under five and a half. I love the defense. I don't think we get. I don't think we get six sacks. Oh I'm my gonna gosh! Go, Who I'm sets go, a hot take barrier and then goes underneath it? <laughs> oh man! Part of the over. Wait, so I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's going to weigh in on it. You guys got to weigh in. You can't just have. I mean, I'm, on me I, I, I I didn't come in with the aggressive like, oh yeah, we're going to sack them. You know, three and a half over. 
It'd be more than we had last week. I'm also going to take the under on five and a half. I I didn't come in with a hot take like you did. Okay, so Bryce, I'm assuming you're going to go over because if you're going to trash me for my take, you're going to say six. You're going to say six or more. First, it was your take. I have to deal with the number you set. I think we're going to have exactly five sacks. So that would technically be, be under. Okay. So over your initial hot take of three and a half. I take oh, five right now. Now you play the game. I like five. It's over the average, and uh, we're due for a big sack day after having uh, just a few of these last two weeks. Well, that didn't go the way that I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's move in and move over to letters from the lunch pail. We only got one this week, and that's okay. Uh, we did we did put it out not too long ago. So, uh, Mister Reliable, Mister Reliable. Reliable, Grant Watson rolling in hot. With the over under 20 pass attempts on Saturday, over or under, I'm going to lead off here. I'm going to say under uh, for reasons I said before. If we can establish the run game, Hendon Hooker doesn't need to throw it 20 times. Again, I don't think Hendon Hooker needs to rush it 18 times as well. I think. Why are we acting like he's fragile? Why are we acting like Hendon's fragile? Dude, every quarterback is fragile. Not Dude, fragile, like, I'm not acting like he's fragile, but like Hendon Hooker, you got to take care of your guy, man. You got to take care. I know of your, that. You, we got all. A, gotta, this ain't this ain't Liberty out there. This is an all AC schedule, baby. We gotta we gotta go. We gotta we go. Have, if he needs to it, carry the ball, he needs to carry the ball. I mean, let him carry the ball. Does he need 18 carries? I don't know. We got a stable of backs. I mean, Herbert, Blackshear, James Mitchell. You got Trey Turner running it. You could have Tavion running it. Uh, I I can say I could see uh, Hendon having probably eighteen or nineteen pass attempts. I do think twenty would right. be a little high for this week. But who knows? You never know. Maybe we're behind in the fourth. Knock on wood. Not going to happen. But we might need to pass the ball coming back. Uh, coming back in the fourth. But uh, Bryce, what do you think? So I think there's going to be a game at some point this year where a team's going to stack the box and force us to throw the football. That's not this game. Um, you know, watching them play other teams, we're going to, we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it right at them. We're going to tell them we're going to run it. We're going to tell them where we're going to run it. And then we're going to run it right there. And if Hendon only has to pass the ball 15 to 16 times for us to score 40 or 50 points, that, that's what it's going to be. So uh, like Billy's uh, sack over under, I'm going to go under on this as well. Again, every week that goes by is more time that Hodge and Ferris have in the playbook. It's more time that guys are, um, you know, becoming more familiar with their roles in the offense. James Mitchell is a target that there's not really a team in the country that can cover him. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the over. I'm gonna go with over uh, over 20 pass attempts coming up here on Saturday. We're going to move into score predictions here. We were just talking an over-under for passes. No, let's talk about over-under for the game and some lines. But first, a big shout-out is due to our new friends. New friends. I love making new friends. It's what college is all about. It's what the life is all about. Making new friends. Shout-out to our friends at Uscape Apparel. Rep your skyline. Listen, I'm from New Jersey. New York City is kind of my city, quote-unquote, you know, in the suburbs. Hey, shout-out Empire State Building. Shout-out Lady Liberty. Uh if you're from D.C., you love Washington Monument, you know, you love the Lincoln Memorial, all that good stuff. If you're from Florida, probably love Mickey Mouse and uh, Epcot and, you know, the Magic Kingdom. That's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about Bur- Burris Hall. We're talking about Torque Bridge. We're talking about Lane Castle Coliseum. Clean the roof, though. Need to power wash the roof. Get the suns on that. So you escape apparel. We did an unboxing earlier this week. 
had a sweet tie-dye t-shirt, a crew neck. Uh, they got really cool hats. They got it all over at usecapeapparel.com. Follow them on Instagram as well. They have a unique Instagram page. It is awesome. And they are at every university. They're at all these schools across the country. Not every, but a lot. So go check that out. Um, use promo code Sons of Sat for 15% off of your order on usecapeapparel.com. And Sons of Stay Tuned. Stay tuned for later this week. We're going to be doing an Instagram giveaway of free Usecape merchandise. Stay tuned uh, for that. Let's talk over-unders. 68 and a half. That is a lot of points. We have seen a lot of points out of our team the last uh, few weeks here. Oh, man. You, you what am I going with if it's over-under? Where am I going? What? Are we giving our over-unders? Let's give our over-unders. Let's do it. Why not? We'll do it right now. Okay. All 68 right. we'll and a half. Audible. It's got to be over. Life's My too short. That, that's, that's it for me, too, is you develop your score prediction first, and then you're like, wow, that's over. Like, I can't. I can't say I'm over my score prediction and then say bet the under. So I'm going to go over too. I think so, we scored too many points this week. I think we're going to score too many points. I think we're going to give up just enough points. The line on the game <laughs> is nine on a half, nine and a half. It opened up around seven or seven and a half. Depending hammer. On hammer. Yeah. It came out at seven and a half. That was free money. Nine and a half is still a hammer. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to Hokers Hokies cover. I'll give you my score prediction now. Anyway, I guess we didn't have to run through it, but we ran through it anyway because you could just draw assumptions from. I gotta say, I gotta say, I miss going to football games. I really miss score predictions. Doing score predictions before the football game was R.I.P. Probably, probably some of the most fun about being boots on the ground at the game. You know, we got Darlax last year. Beth Barnes did a nice score prediction. Billy always does the fun score predictions now. Maybe I'll get one this uh, this Saturday with whoever. We did it with, with Stick It In uh, before the UNC game with all three sons. We had a score oh, prediction. The people who say they'd rather watch the game at home are people I don't want to hang out with. There is, there is, like, I will, I will sit in hours of traffic. It, like, I would drive to Louisville to watch us play if we were seven and oh. And that's a seven and a half hour drive from here. There is nothing like being there. You could in also person. fly. Billy, you why you got to derail the conversation? You could, you I, could fly. You could fly. <laughs> right, I, was, I, I was doing I also, it for dramatic effect. I also like going to the game. Uh, it makes it makes <laughs> the fall a lot more fun. So I miss that a lot. Bryce, score prediction. I think this is the week that we dropped the fifty burger. Um, unfortunately for the Hokie Club, I think there's going to be one field goal. Um, I know it's touchdowns or the drive for the touchdown pledge. Uh, I think it's going to be 52 um, to 24. Uh, I think our offense is just too much for them. And like I've said, I think this team is identical to NC State. I think they're going to score some points and they're going to have a drought. And that's that's kind of where we break away. I'm going to agree with you on the 52, Bryce, 52 to 17. Uh it's funny because, you know, you, you, you think about your score prediction and then you see, huh, how does it match up with the over-under? And that is 69 points. It's nice. That is a half point more than 68 and a half. So, uh, yeah, nice. I will uh, hammer the over, hammer Virginia Tech, 52 to 17. I like Trey Turner to score his first touchdown of the season here. It's his third, Let's go! It's his third game in, this, in his home state of North Carolina. Is Greensboro closest to uh, – to to Wake Forest is Wake Forest and Winston Salem in the three three six? Who's got yeah, the geography it, it, report? I I believe so. It's really close to High Point, which is about twenty 
30 minutes away from Greensboro. Gotcha. So yeah, big play Trey with a big play into the end zone. Uh, yeah, uh, Divine Diablo, also a Winston-Salem guy, so hopefully uh, some of his family members can attend as well. So with that, closing thoughts and Sharky shout-outs. Billy Ray, I know you got some points here. I got to say, shout-out to the Scribes of Saturday with some great content. You mentioned Trey Turner. Robert Irby put out a fantastic article diving into how teams have guarded Trey Turner this season, um, who, again, I know is going to break out in one of these games. Uh, it's just kind of a matter of time. We mentioned Dorian Strong. Mike McDaniel has an article going out about Dorian Strong tomorrow. Um, and then also Ed Williams kicked off our basketball showcase. That's right. Da-na-na-na. We got basketball. Basketball's right around the corner. We did a Cardi- he did a Cartier Diara deep dive, get to know him. It's kind of going to be doing that every week, getting to know each and every one of the guys on the team. So that's super exciting. But shout out to the Scribes of Saturday. They have done fantastic, fantastic work. I'm going to piggyback on top of that uh, with a, a double shout out. Shout out to Eric Neander, who is the GM of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they're playing in the World Series against the Dodgers. That's big time. They got the third lowest payroll in Major League Baseball, and he's taken a team to the World Series, the Fall Classic. Eric Neander was a 2019 executive, the executive of the year in the MLB. He's a Hokie grad, uh, class of 05. He started his career with the Rays as an intern. I mean, him and Charlie Howe, if you listen to that episode, Charlie Howe was an intern with the U.S. Open and USGA, and now he's the U.S. Open Championship Director. He was also class of, I think he was class of 05 or 06. We had a lot of... Uh, a lot of strong guys in, in sports have come out of that uh, that era there. But shout out to Taylor Kasky. She wrote an article about Eric Neander. And then another big time shout out to a student scribe. Grant Mitchell has been pumping out it. Sons of Saturday contentory. He is not a relative of Billy Ray Mitchell, but he's got the same work ethic. And that is all that matters. That was, um, I loved that. I absolutely loved that. That's my new ringtone. And he slacked me today, the Mitchell to Mitchell Slack connection. He goes, hey, I got this article idea. It's two weeks out, though, but I got, th- I got three written up that are ready to go. So uh, I got those in the dude. hole. So, dude, that guy is just out here killing it right now. Shelton Moss, another student scribe, has a fantastic write-up on statistics that are coming up. I mean, oh, I'm fired up now. I mean, all I got to say is hashtag grit. I mean, that is literally all we need to say. Um, A couple last shout outs here. Rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the Suns. Share it on your Instagram. You know, say like, hey, I I like the preview. You know, give it a little share. Come on, do it. Come on. Share share it on Twitter. Hey, mom, have you listened to the Suns? Hey, write a little review. I don't know. Check out the merchandise. I know Christmas is coming up. I know the holiday season is coming up. Maybe it's your birthday. Maybe say, hey, mom, hey, dad. I want a Sons of Saturday t-shirt for my birthday. Maybe one of those crew necks. I don't know. Or maybe do it on Uscape. Check it out. Uh, final shout out here, Bryce Chalkley. You got anything for us. I know you I know you want to shout out a lot of people. Yeah, I got a long list. Like you said, it's it's been 85 episodes. So, uh, you know, I've had, you know, 14 months to really formulate a list here. Oh, man, um, we, we might need to work in another advertisement <laughs> here for in, in a commercial break. Yeah, you might as well. Um, you got time. So uh, first shout out has to go to my guys, Dave Naus and Josh Parcell. Um, them as well as the the rest of the Hot Wings and Hotter Takes crew. Listen to my my takes all year round and, you know, they, they tolerate me, to be honest. Um, so much love to those guys. Um, got to give a shout out to the musical Hamilton. 
Uh, really getting me through quarantine. You can laugh all you want. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Um, next, got to shout out Brian Johnson. We're not talking about him enough. He missed his first field goal in a year last, He's last human. week. It was 54 yards, and it was a and it was a bad snap. Like, get the, like we should still be talking about him constantly. Um, I also got to shout out my Automatic. lovely wife, Macy. If, if you get this far in the podcast, I appreciate uh, you taking care of me the last 10 days while in quarantine. And, uh, and lastly, I got to shout out you guys. I mean, I, over a year ago, you asked me to speak about the Hokie Club on this Sons of Saturday podcast where you were going to maybe highlight SEC game experiences. And here we are now, and you've turned <laughs> us into this to this awesome, you know, org- living, breathing organism. It's incredible. I mean, I'm, it's infectious. I love talking to you guys about it. And I'm, I'm flattered that uh, you had me on for a second time. I look forward to the next one, hopefully uh, shorter than 85 episodes from now. So wow. thanks. Doesn't get better than that. Bryce Chalkley, one of a kind. And also, for those of you that don't know, Bryce Chalkley, an incredible advertiser has gotten me put on to the Peloton and has gotten me put on to on running shoes. He's two for two on uh, making me spend money. So maybe just maybe slow it down on that front. And next, <laughs> hey, he's going to go three for three because next season, Billy Ray will be sitting in section five with his season tickets. That's true. That is with true. His Gu- with his Gucci shades. With his Gucci <laughs> not, shades. Not, not, will not be bringing my Gucci shades to Section 5. Vance, uh, Coach Vice would not approve of uh, Gucci sunglasses not in gritty. Section 5. Not gr- hashtag not grit. Um, Gucci is not grit, apparently. <laughs> Gucci is not grit. Um, that does it for the Sons of Saturday before the game preview. Stay tuned here. What we're going to do, what we're going to do right here is a little pod. I, I like to say wordsmithing. We're going to do a little pod smithing here. So after we're done talking, you're going to hear Paint It Gold by the 555. And then the Locks of Saturday are going to get you guys ready for all of the slates of games coming up here. But we will talk to you very, very soon. <laughs> Saturday and it is week eight. The season is flying by. We're going to have more than uh, 14 weeks this year, but week eight, it's, it's, we're about midway through. We got Brett, we got Chris, we got Ryan, we got Robert, we have Ed, I am Sam, Jesse, and we are pumped to bring you guys another great episode of the Locks of Saturday. How are we doing, everyone? Feeling great. Here we go. Feeling good. Go. We solid, have some- solid. Yeah, yeah, we have some some cool games. Uh, we get the Big Ten back, which is awesome. Uh, we get the Mountain West back, which I love. Um, and we just have some great matchups. And we're going to start up north in Minnesota. Uh, I got my Golden Gophers t-shirt on now, so you probably can guess who I'm picking. We have Michigan. John Harbaugh in Michigan. Minus three and a half traveling to Minnesota. It's going to be the Saturday night game. The first major game uh, of the Big Ten season. And Robert, you have the Golden Gophers plus three and a half. It's a tight line, um, plus three and a half. Yeah, so I do have the Gophers here. And it is interesting because this line has uh, 
gotten a little looser from the beginning. I think it opened at a point and a half. Um, it's gone all the way to three and a half. Um, I like the Gophers here. And the main reason why, I think it comes down to coaching. So I was doing a little digging, and it turns out that in Jim Harbaugh's career at Michigan, in games where both Michigan and their opponent are ranked, um, Michigan is 8-15 and 15 in those games. Um, so Harbaugh clearly is not the best at getting Michigan ready to play in those marquee matchups. And this is one of those matchups with both teams coming in ranked. Um, and so I'm not really sure what the deal is and why this is the case, but ultimately Michigan does not seem to prepare well for these games. Whereas last year in those same type of games under PJ Fleck, Minnesota was two and two and it's a smaller sample size, but I think I just want to go with the Gophers here just because I think their trajectory is trending way far up. Whereas Jim Harbaugh might be on the hot seat if things don't go great this year at Michigan. Irby, you stole the stat right from me. Uh, yeah, under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan is 10 and 14 against top 25 teams. Um, but yeah, then there are eight, I believe it's eight and 15 when they're both ranked or something like that. It's, it's not great. And he has not done a good job winning the big games. And, you know, it's crazy to think this, but playing Minnesota is a big game for Michigan. And if they lose this one, there's no shot at a, at a playoff run if there was any shot for him. And, you know, it's I, he's on the hot seat. I mean, we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago with Texas and Tom Herman. You know, talk about coaches on the hot seat. Well, he's on the hot seat here. And even if he barely squeaks by with a win, I don't know if that's good enough for Michigan fans right now and their boosters. I have the Golden Gophers plus three and a half. I'm super pumped about it. They do not get any respect from Vegas. I think this is a team to look at through the rest of the season. They were big winners last year. They'll have the best quarterback on the field, Tanner Morgan. They have the best overall player on the field, Rashad Bateman. He's an NFL talent, top 10 pick in the NFL draft type guy at wide receiver. And you don't see a lot of those um, coming around. And I, I just think they're a better team. They're playing at home and you get three and a half points with it. I'll take it. Uh, Ed, Brett, Chris, you guys all have Minnesota plus three and a half. You are in the canoe in the lakes in Minnesota and you are rowing the boat. Uh, what else we got on Minnesota? Yeah, real quick. I mean, I just think exactly what Irby said. Um, they're the better coach team. They're at home. And they probably have, I mean, Michigan probably has a little bit better, you know, if you were looking at 24 seven composites, better talent, but um, the the coaching in, Mich in Minnesota, excuse me, PJ Fleck is just going to have his team ready to roll. And I think they'll pick up where they left off from last year, coming off of an 11 two season, including that went over Auburn on um, the bowl game. So I have to go first to pick up where they left off and further put uh Harbaugh's butt to the fire in week one. Yeah. Just, uh, I think when you saw what happened with LSU starting out of the gate, uh, I thought it was pretty important to kind of just, I think they have one of the lowest returning production volumes on their entire roster. And it kind of feeds off of what, you know, Robert and Ed uh, just basically laid out is just Harbaugh is not really able to get his teams up ready to go, especially for big games in the big 10 conference. And they're coming out of the gate with a season that was canceled uh, essentially had to get ramped back up in time for uh, kind of a late October start. And, I mean, even to this day, I don't think we know 100% sure who's even starting at quarterback uh, for 
for Michigan. So just all that discontinuity, how it plays well, kind of, or how it doesn't really play well coming in the season, a bunch of brand new starters, plus uh, pleated khakis. If he's going to win in the Big Ten, he's got to switch to chinos. You know, you can't, you can't be rocking pleated khakis. It's 2020. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All I got to say is row that boat. I mean, that's it. It's like, I think it's like the greatest catchphrase in college football. I think it's awesome. I think he's got a built, I think Black has built an awesome culture up there. And I truly think he's just a better coach than Harbaugh. And I could see maybe one day he takes Harbaugh's job down the line. So I think this is a big game for Flex career. Um, and I really think they're going to pull through at home in a night game in the freezing cold per usual. Oh, yeah. It's got to be cold if we're playing at Minnesota. It's outdoors, too. I love how they just went and built an outdoor stadium like it wasn't going to snow three feet for every game. Ryan, you're a lone dissenter picking the maze in blue. Uh, real quick, give us why you have faith in Michigan. Yeah, for, for the sake of diversity, uh, went, I went with those pleated khakis. Um, I think, you know, uh, it's hard not to, to like Minnesota. It's hard not to root for Minnesota and, and Slack. And I hear every I hear everything everyone's saying. Um, to speak on, Chris, your point about the returning the, the returning talent from Michigan, it's, it's five on defense, five on offense. Um, so you're right, percentages there are not good. Um, it's looking like pointing towards Joe Milton, the quarterback for, for Michigan. He's 6'4", 250-ish. Um, reminds me a little bit of, of Quincy Patterson, to be honest, just, just looking at the measurables. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stay with Michigan. And, uh, you know, we don't know what either either of these teams are going are gonna to crop out as of yet. But I think they scheme and, and, and kind of uh, make some mismatches with Milton in the run game and pass game they, that Michigan has, lo- has lost a lot of their wide receiver talent. Um, and leave on, only really Ronnie Ronnie Ball as a, as a pretty talented wide, wide receiver, but you know we'll see. I, I still think it, it, it's it's a close game. Um, I'll roll with Mich- Michigan just for the sake of diversity. Like I said, should be a really good game. Should be a really important game in the Big Ten this season. Couple extra notes on Michigan. One, if your team nickname is the Wolverines, you need to capitalize on that a little bit more because that's a sweet school mascot and they don't even talk about being the Michigan Wolverines second really overrated helmets I don't think they look that good at all but uh that's a discussion for another day and before I get yelled at we're gonna move on to our next game Iowa State plus three and a half at Oklahoma State and guys I put this in my article but you know I feel like the Big 12 is the new ACC who knows who's gonna show up I really don't know how good these teams are no matter how high they're ranked um, and, and, you know, because of that, I'm going with the home team, Oklahoma state, uh, you know, they've, they've had some issues this season so far. I think people expected them to be a playoff contender and they don't look to be that level yet. Uh, Chuba Hubbard obviously is a really good player, but they lost starting quarterback, uh, Spencer Sanders. He went down in week one against Tulsa. Uh, they, they've looked good, but not great. And I think that's playing into this line a little bit where you have an Iowa state team who's always going to be scrappy always going to play hard-nosed. Brock Purdy's a pretty good quarterback. And the win against Oklahoma, I think Vegas takes that into consideration and and keeps the spread at Oklahoma State minus three and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pokes here. I think they win by a touchdown to 10 points. It's going to be a really close game. Would not be surprised if this one comes down to the wire. Uh, Robert, you are going against me, and you're going with the Cyclones. Uh, uh, How do you feel? I am going with the Cyclones, and really the factor in it for me is actually Iowa State's defense, which is not um, something that I would expect to say, but 
Um, you know, Oklahoma State has a very run-heavy offense. I mean, they have Chuba Hubbard, who is, you know, one of the best, if not the best running back in the country. Um, and they have some other dudes behind him as well, and they just love to pound the rock. Um, but meanwhile, Iowa State is only giving up less than 100 yards per game. Um, they're doing a j- good job of stopping the run so far. Um, where they usually fall short is defending the pass. Um, but Oklahoma State has such uncertainty at quarterback. Um, even if Spencer Sanders is able to play, he didn't overly impress me last year. You know, he didn't take care of the ball well. Um, finished with 16 touchdowns, but 11 interceptions. Um, and so if he's out there, you know, there's definitely questions of ball security. Um, or if it's Shane Illingworth, who's stepped up in his stead. Um, Illingworth is a much more kind of conservative passer. He's going to throw a lot of shorter passes and really isn't going to kill you. Um, and so I just think Purdy is by far the best quarterback that would take the field. And um, I just think he makes enough plays for Iowa State to get the win and the defense gets enough stops on Chuba Hubbard. Robert, you talk about the Iowa State defense. and you know I agree they are good, but Oklahoma State, contrary to what we think, they are very good defensively this year. Uh, they have a lot of guys. They are they have flipped the script on what we think of Big 12 football. They've started running the ball more, and they've started playing really good defense. And, uh, you know, Chris, you have Iowa State plus three and a half. You're a little skeptical about that Oklahoma State defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I had to do a double take when I first looked at the, the kind of track record for the season thus far. Number two overall uh, in the country right now. Which, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. It's uh, it goes against everything I believe in college football. I had to look into it. I first of all, Mike Gunny, since 2005, I, I just did not realize that it's been 15 years since he's been the head coach of Oklahoma State as well. Um, that mullet really uh, does wonders for his 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 youth. Um, just overall, when you look at the numbers, especially for how they've gotten to that number two position, um, it, it's not necessarily through intercessions and forced fumbles. It, I think it's more of a product of their schedule thus far. You know, their best kind of lockdown win came against uh, West Virginia, but West Virginia is not the old Rich Rod, Dana Horgerson kind of like high tempo offense as we've seen. Neil Brown has kind of done a little bit of a different take with that. So even that win where they relatively kind of shut them out doesn't necessarily mean that they're a lockdown defense yet. And if you look at some of the metrics, Iowa state roughly has the same production on defense too. So I think they're more equal than I, I guess the line would tend to think that Oklahoma state is a better defense plus Matt Campbell, just overall. I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head with Brock Purdy being an NFL player, but just not enough emphasis is given to Matt Campbell, always getting his team up for big games. Like always, he's seven and three overall as an away underdog as well. So he always gets his team focused, ready to play on the road of which this game is. So when I saw three and a half, I mean, I would have taken Iowa State um, at three to start three and a half extra half point. Uh, I like that a lot for a value standpoint, especially if it does become more of a defensive game. That extra half point is a tremendous value for the Cyclones. Brett, Ed, you guys both have Oklahoma State minus three and a half at home. Uh, you know, whoever wants to go into it a little bit, because this is a really close pick. And I think it's a probably the toughest one we have on the slate here because it's two pretty good football teams, but you never know what you're going to get out of these big 12 teams. Yeah. I just want to remind people that Iowa state got beat by Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana at the first game of the season. 
and they didn't just get beat. I mean, the first half was close, but they got pretty, they got worked in the second half of that game and Purdy looked pretty shaky. I think they've straightened up a little bit since then, but I'm still not quite sold on them. Um, and big time players make big time plays and Chuba Hubbard, I think is going to get his 200 yard for his 200 yard game, this 200 yard game this time. Uh, so I think the pokes will get it done at home. And I love still water. So I think it's a great place. Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy's mullet, Oklahoma State covers. I can't argue with that logic. It sound soundproof to me, guys. And you know that's going to be a big one in the Big Twelve too. If you look at where their current standings are, because Oklahoma State, you just can't afford a loss there. I think Oklahoma is going to right the ship a bit. So we'll see how things go. And before we get to any other picks. Ryan, your time to shine, man. Let's move into the over-unders. This has been awesome so far. I think you have a pretty good record since starting this up a few weeks ago. So hit the people with some over-unders. What point totals are we going to be sweating out in the fourth quarter this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Sweating sweating out is right. Uh, We did that a little bit last week if you're following the picks. Um, Six and three thus far. I've been doing it for three weeks. So um, six and three went three and oh the first week, I think one and two the second week, and, and two and two and one last week. Um, so you know, we'll see, what, we'll see what we can, uh, we'll see what we can, um, conjure up this week as well. The first one that I have that I, I really do like is UVA Miami over 58. Um, I don't know if anyone, if anyone was able to watch, um, that UVA quarterback situation last week at all, it is essentially a carousel with the guys coming in and out. I don't know how they're organizing this. I don't know how they're, you know, they, they obviously haven't prepped for it for too long because Armstrong is the guy. Um, you know, I, I think here, what it, what I, what it boils down to is I, I liked some of what UVA was doing last week against Wake Forest. They were able to generate some offense until some, pretty poorly timed turnovers late in the game that just caused them to, to get out of it. Um, they're, they're not a team that is going to be able to come from behind a whole lot, especially if Armstrong's out, you know, I'm, I'm still hearing mixed things about Armstrong. Is he going to play? Is he not? He's in the concussion protocol. Um, and he's, he's apparently out on the practice field, but not fully practicing with the team as of yet. So that that's, you know, that factors in certainly, even if he's not, even if he's not in there, I still like the over. And, and as far as Miami goes, do we really know who this Miami team is, or you know what this Miami team can do um, against Pitt last week? They, you know, they looked good, but Pitt was without Pickett and, and were not moving the ball at all. Uh, had no offense. Offense was anemic, and was giving the ball back to Miami, you know, a, a ton just on on three and outs and. and I, I, I'm not convinced that Miami is as good as people thought coming in. I believe they're ranked 11 or something right now. So I, it, that number is not accurate. But I do think points here win the, win the day. I think neither uh, – I think UVA's offense is, is, is horrific. And I think Miami, you know, if they're anything of what we, what we think they could be, they should put up some points here. You know, it, playing the UVA game, you're, you're going either – is it Armstrong, is it Thompson, Armstead, and, and Stone – um, I, I really think that this, this one comes down to the UVA defense being pretty bad and Miami kind of running it up a little bit. Um, I will say though, just as a, as something for, for the, the, the UVA on the UVA side, PFF has them as the third best pass blocking O-line in the country in, in some, in some areas and some, uh, analytic numbers and the stat credits 
Brennan Armstrong with every sack gotten this year. They don't credit any of the offensive linemen for, for giving up a sack this year. So, you know, if they're able to protect and, and, you know, they give Armstrong the time he needs or whoever's back there, the time they need, they can make enough throws to, to put some points on the board. I do think Miami wins, but I think the points again, win the day. Um, I, I had to stay on the streak of the sec overs and I don't necessarily love any of them this week. And, to go to go with one the the one I like the most I went with Alabama and Tennessee over 66 and what what this comes down to is Alabama skill players uh, it has to um I, I think we saw that on display very very heavily against Georgia last week especially later in the game I, you know Tennessee's quarterback situation is also on the fritz really they took uh, they took out uh, Guarantano last week and he threw two picks in a row and then their backup JT Shrout came in and also threw one in the next possession. So I I'm relying on the tide here to score upwards of 40 points um, and hoping that Tennessee can, can put in maybe a few garbage touchdowns in the, in the fourth to, to push it over. You know, I, I, I read a lot this week about how Tennessee is still competent in their guys behind center. And I wouldn't be surprised if Quarantano is the guy back there again and, they're playing with a little bit, a little bit, nothing to lose. They're, they're playing with, um, you know, potentially something to prove after that, after that awful loss against Kentucky last week. So I I think they show up if they can put up 21 to 28 points. I think this total goes over pretty easily. Um, So the last one I have big 10 football's back. I had to include one. I had to include one in the slate. Wisconsin and Illinois is what I have under 51. Um, this is a little bit of a revenge game. If, if you guys remember last year, the Illini upset Wisconsin. They were 30-point underdogs and um, forced a ton of turnovers to, to, uh, at Wisconsin late. Um, I, th- I think this is a historical pick. I'm, I'm relying on Wisconsin pounding the rock and, and Illinois not being able to score enough points for the over to hit. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, the, you know, surprisingly, Lovey Smith and the Illini forced 2.2 turnovers a game last year. Um, and again, those, those turnovers became big in their win against Wisconsin 24, 23. Um, and I think they can, they can force a few, if they force a few, uh, for Wisconsin, um, I think that that helps the under, but really it comes down to Wisconsin's brand of football, which we all know is pound the rock and, you know, without without knowing much about either of these teams coming into the season being their first game, I'm going to take the under. Um, and I think you know there is some some weather brewing a little bit in Wisconsin, so you know this this is a Friday night game as well. So um, kind of a, a little bit earlier earlier of a game to get to get in. Um, I will mention as well, Alabama Tennessee also is projecting some weather, so keep an eye on that for sure as you go towards as you go towards Saturday if there is rain. If it's going to rain in Neyland, I don't love the over as much. But, um, you know, I, I think the, those are those are what I have this week. Hopefully the streak continues and, and uh, we uh, we keep putting keep putting tallies in those left sided column. Yeah, man, I saw the Alabama Tennessee over and I said, all right, Alabama scoring 66. How much is Tennessee scoring? Yeah, and that that's exactly my logic. And Alabama is four and on overs this year. So. That's what I'm going with, and you know, uh, on the in the same vein, UVA is also four and zero on overs this year. So those are those are my two kind of like recency bias, if you will, trends pointing towards overs in Alabama and UVA. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it's an interesting week, especially especially seeing those big that Big Ten football back on the field. I'd love to see that. 
Um, but just going to bank on the under in that one and the over in the two others. So we'll see. Love the under pick for Wisconsin Wisconsin and Illinois because uh, Illinois is getting a lot better. They have some good grad transfers coming in. Lovey Smith, good coach. So uh, I really like the trajectory of that Illinois football team. And guys, another conference that's coming back. We get to move into Mountain West football. I love Mountain West football. Um, It's it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of legit. Uh, I had many a night where I would stay up late on Saturday nights after a nice night at Hokie House, and you turn on the TV, and it's Utah State versus Colorado State, and it's electric, and I love it. Um, and this one we have we have a good one. Uh, Wyoming minus four and a half at Nevada. Are, are we going to be? A, are, are we going to say Nevada or Nevada? No, I'm getting silence. Nevada. Nevada. Come on. <laughs> it's Nevada. Oh, dude, Nevada. People from Nevada well, call it Nevada. I'm not from Nev- Nevada, so I'm Nevada. That was <laughs> kind of hard to say. If they call it Nevada, we'll say Nevada. Like that's like going into Appalachia and calling it Appal- Appalachia, because people from Appalachia call it Appalachia. You know, that's a very good point. Thank you for bringing it close to home, Robert. Uh, anyway, this is about as good of analysis as we're going to get for this kind of football. Just so we are all clear. Oh, Ed, ye of little faith, ye of little faith all right let's move in hey robert uh well actually you know let's let's start with ed let's start with ed what you got you got wyoming minus four and a half oh i'm gonna sit here and read verbatim what my article says unlike sam i know next to nothing about mountain west football so (laughs) i just kicked that off as my disclaimer for my pick here um i went with wyoming because both teams had similar records and similar seasons last year wyoming won one more game um they played a little bit better against the better competition, the Boise States of the world. Um, and they ended the year on a win, whereas Nevada did not. So that's my logic, and I'm holding to it. Wyoming, Wyoming minus four and a half. Love it. Brett, Chris, you guys also have the Cowboys minus four and a half. Yeah, Brett, you want yeah. to go? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, my answer is pretty simple. I remember playing uh, college football fantasy probably I don't know, five or six years ago. And this is before we restricted it to just power five because the numbers were just getting ridiculous from obviously conferences like the mountain West and stuff. So they had a quarterback named Brett Smith and he was a stud and that's when I became a Wyoming fan. And so naturally I'm going to have to pick Wyoming because I'm a Wyoming fan ever since that, but they have two, they actually have two great QBs returning. Um, and I think they're, they don't have a whole lot returning on defense, but I think the Cowboys are really going to put up some points to cover. So. Yeah, Sam, and I mean, kind of to echo some of the sentiment that I was saying, this was like my introduction to just learning about Mountain West football. It's great, though. I, I did a, an awesome deep dive for a few hours, actually, just kind of going over a couple of the kind of the Athlon reviews. And and uh, essentially, when you bake it down to one kind of point, is just I think the team that has a little bit more continuity on defense and the track record of providing that scoring defense, the better defensive line, um they are known for running the football i love teams that have uh fans and stands that wear cowboy hats i thought that was an awesome perk about it uh great uniform like phenomenal 10 out of 10 uniform the 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 cowboy bucking bronco the the padres brown and yellow and any team that plays in a a stadium called war memorial i'm in and it's a solid name for any stadium yep 
so yeah. all of those combined, I'm not only good picking Wyoming, I'm like a new Wyoming fan. So I'm, I'm part of the yes. group now. I'm a yes. junkie for Wyoming football. Yes. You, the War Memorial Stadium has one of the best atmospheres that no one knows about in the country. And it, it's beautiful, beautiful stadium. Great uniforms. The it's end zone. Because it's in Wyoming. Like, yeah. That's why nobody knows about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. If you, if you have some time, look up pictures on Google Images of War Memorial Stadium in Laramie, Wyoming. Awesome field art. Awesome. Awesome end zones. Great field. Good looking stadium. Ryan, you have the dissenting pick with the Nevada Wolfpack at plus four and a half. Yeah, uh, this is, again, purely for dissenting and diversity. Um, Thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah. uh, I'm going against... For the second time tonight. (laughs) I'm I'm going against you guys because I was was absent week uh, the first couple weeks, so I need to make up some ground on the the overall record. So we're going to dissent two times this this week and see what we can do. Um, I saw a tweet, you know, in my very little analysis, Nevada's won five out of the six of their last openers. We'll see what happens. I don't know much about either team. I'm excited to watch it and to learn more, but essentially diversity dissenting pick here. Yeah, um, I'm going Wyoming minus four and a half. I really like what Craig Bull, who was the coach at North Dakota State for a few years, he won, I don't know, probably 99% of the games he coached up there. Uh, He's made this into a power football team. Uh, Not an old-fashioned Stanford power football team. They run mostly out of the shotgun, but they'll run the ball between the tackles. If you want a guy to watch out for, it's Xavier Valade, an incredible running back name for a really good running back, the junior running back. He's an all-conference type guy, really, really talented. Quarterback Sean Chambers is an electric guy at quarterback. He can also run. Big guy. He can throw the ball downfield. Um, at defensive end, Garrett Crowell. He is an all-conference guy. Uh, they lost a, a couple guys on defense, which is a bit worrisome. Uh, some guys who decided to sit out the season due to COVID-19. So we'll, we'll see what their depth looks like on defense. But uh, give me Wyoming. I love them. I love the Cowboys. I love what Craig Bull's doing. I think they're a really good program. And I, I see them covering the four and a half here down in Reno, Nevada. What a lovely city we have. Reno, Nevada. Has anyone here been to Reno? No, because no one goes to Reno. Yeah, no. I've been to Las Vegas. That that counts for anything. Complete other side of the state. Yeah, so no, it doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to move back to the East Coast here, uh, where people actually go to these two cities. We have a battle in the Triangle, two bitter, bitter rivals. North Carolina State is plus 16, going to Chapel Hill to play the North Carolina Tar Heels. Robert, you have UNC minus 16. 16 is a big number, especially for a rivalry game. Yes, 16 is a huge number, and I was very nervous about picking that. Um, But at the end of the day, for me, it comes down to the Devin Leary injury. Um, I think that that injury is absolutely devastating for NC State. Um, You know, without Leary in there, they have to turn to Bailey Hockman. And, you know, no disrespect to Bailey Hockman or anything. Um, but he's not great. You know, in his career, he has three touchdowns and seven interceptions. And again, one of, I touched on this in the article, but one of those three touchdowns came last week and it also hit the Duke defender right in the hands. So if the Duke player makes the play that he should make that, that means you're looking at a one to four touchdown to interception ratio, which is awful. 
Um, he takes a what is a very dynamic NC State offense under Leary and makes it very one-dimensional. They still will run the ball incredibly well. That's just what they do. They have, you know, <clears throat> one of the best running back duos in the conference. Um, but I just think that they will be far too one-dimensional. And meanwhile, their defense really isn't that great. And so I think UNC is going to be hungry and looking for a bounce back. And so expect a big day from Sam Howell and from um, Michael Carter as well. I mean, those guys are just going to – I really think that they're just going to lay the wood to um, um, NC State, and it's going to be a very dominant, dominant game from the get-go. And um, it'll be a lot more than 16, I think. Yeah, because you can totally see this game going where UNC just curb stomps them. They have that kind of talent. And they have that ability. And, you know, quite frankly, the way they're playing against Virginia Tech, if you have a team not as talented, especially offensively at Virginia Tech, uh, you know, they can blow the doors off you. Uh, and, and, you know, Ed, I think you bring up a good point, though. Um, you know, what is Sam Howell? You know, is he the Heisman guy that we all think he is? Is he the Heisman guy like he played against Virginia Tech? Because that game against Florida State, who, you know, yours truly, I did call Moneyline Florida State for that game. I would like a round of applause from the audience here. Thank you. That was, that was amazing. I'll give you that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it seems like he has the it factor, but only in certain games. And I have seen Ed is putting the like clapping emoji on zoom here. Um, Ed, you have North Carolina state plus 16. I think you bring same Howell into question here. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Like he's pretty Mitch Trubisky. If you ask me, I'm not that impressed with Sam Howell. Like his stats are just okay. He's got nine touchdowns and four picks. They haven't really played like, much of anybody outside of Virginia Tech. And it was a Virginia Tech roster that was extremely COVID-stricken. Um, I think if we play them a week later, we win that game pretty easily. I'm just not that impressed with Sam Howell. Like, I get it. Like, he puts up numbers. But is that a product of him or is that a product of that offense and the players he has around him? I don't know. I'm kind of starting to lean towards the latter. Like, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, the running game in North Carolina is legit. That offense is legit, but I don't think it's as much of a product of Sam Howell as it is, you know, the pieces that are around him currently. Now, in terms of this game, NC State's trending up and UNC is trending down. I mean, I, I think UNC could easily be on a two-game losing skid if Virginia Tech didn't have 20-plus players out due to COVID um, and contact tracing. So NC State's been playing really well since Virginia Tech destroyed them. Um the quarterback situation definitely is concerning um, for NC State, but I think they do enough to at least cover the 16. And I, I just think that's a crazy number the way these two teams have been going. But Vegas knows all, apparently, and in the history. So um, wouldn't shock me either way, but I'm just not sold on Sam Howell and North Carolina as much as I think Vegas or the national media are. So I'm going to go with NC State to cover 16 in this one. I still think North Carolina wins outright, but. I will take uh, NC State and the 16 points. Yeah, Brett, you bring up that you're, you're having some issues with UNC as well. Um, is the sky falling for the team wearing Carolina blue? I, I mean, it's do we want to over overreact to that game? Because Florida State had looked so, so bad. And, and then they go down there to Tallahassee, and they, I mean, they almost got destroyed in that game. I, I mean, against any other competent team. Florida State might have won that came by like 30 or something, the way it was going for a while there. 
Yeah, it was looking like UNC was going to go. The word I've been using recently is pantsed. I mean, they look like they just got down there and got completely surprised. And so did the whole world, except for you, Sam. Apparently, you knew what was happening. We, uh, so, I mean, I think last weekend was the first time Sam Howell had actually got some serious pressure on him. And it was very clear he did not like that. And I think if North Carolina State can get some more pressure on him, send some crazy blitz packages which Tech was not able to do in their game because they were missing. They weren't able to leave their players on islands and leave their players in mad coverage just for the sole fact that we were so thin. So I think if UNC keeps facing teams and get Sam Howell under pressure, I think he's going to fold, I think, like he did this past weekend. He kind of reminds me of Tom Brady as if he has a good O-line in front of him, he's got a great arm, he's got great accuracy, he's got – got everything you want in a quarterback, but once you start to get some pressure on him, he just starts to crumble, and that was evident last week. Well, I think NC State win. Well, I think NC State wins the game with Leary. I think the possibility is much greater. I really do. Without Leary, I think they can cover sixteen if they keep running the ball, and that's what FSU did last week. They ran the ball and had some success, but I think Hockman can make some throws to, you know, catch the UNC secondary off guard, which could spell a disaster for UNC if we're going to be honest. Um, I think this is going to be much closer than 16. I could even see it being like maybe a touchdown. So that's why I picked NC State. We have one Locks of Saturday member comparing Sam Howell to Mitch Trubisky. The other one comparing him to Tom Brady. So we are all over the place here. But you know, I, I do think, Chris, you have North Carolina State plus 16 as well. And there, there are some issues with this UNC team. And... Also, North Carolina State, since that Tech game, has played pretty well. Uh, they're getting some love in the national media. They're inside the AP Top 25, and I don't think any of us here thought that would happen after what they looked like against uh, Virginia Tech in Week 1. So, you know, Chris, you have them plus 16, and do you think that Florida State could have given the rest of the league that blueprint game? Yeah, when you look at it and just to kind of feed off of this is a matchup game. And I do think that NC State with their secondary matches up well against the quote unquote strength and Sam Howell and the UNC passing. They they are near the top in almost every passes defended type metric that you can look at, including interceptions, broken up passes um, and also sacks. So not only are they able to pressure the quarterback, but they can also extend the defense on plays that usually UNC is looking for because they're looking to get that deep ball. So Sam Howell's going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. So one of those two outcomes is going to be likely. And on the other side of the coin, they're really solid running ball because we all know what Bailey Hockman's going to do. He's going to throw for 200 yards, hopefully not throw for two picks. And that's it. That's what you're getting from Bailey Hockman. Um, so it's going to really just kind of be a who else around NC State creating kind of like a sum of all their parts to, to in this case, you know, we're not asking them to win outright. We're asking them to cover 16 points. I think they can do that given all those variables, um, especially when just the emphasis on the NC State secondary. Yeah, I have NC State plus 16 on this one. And my sole reason for this is 16 is just such a big number. And I don't know if I feel would feel comfortable saying that UNC, excuse me, is going to blow NC State out of the water. I think there is some talent to that North Carolina State team. And I think it will show up. I also think North Carolina State is a little more sound on the interior of the defensive line than Virginia Tech was, especially when they played UNC. So would not be surprised um, if this game is closer. Would not be surprised if North Carolina State gives them a run for their money. I think this is going to be one we're all checking our phones on Saturday 
trying to figure out what in the world is going to happen down there in central North Carolina. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of brings me to another game that's going to happen in the state of North Carolina, guys. Um, Virginia Tech playing at Wake Forest. This will be a fun one. Uh, there's a lot to look at in this game. I think this is one of those matchups where if Virginia Tech goes down there and continues to perform like they have been performing, um, you could you can hit the for real button on Virginia Tech. You really can. Uh, this is the healthiest that Virginia Tech is going to be all year. Uh, Divine Diablo is going to be playing again. Jermaine Waller is going to be playing again. Should have Deshaun Crawford back. Offensively, they are rolling. Uh, Trey Turner is a go for the game. Uh, we might not even need to pass the ball. We'll get into that in a little bit. But guys, Virginia Tech, minus 9.5. This line started at minus 6.5. That's where I got it a couple days ago. Uh, so it definitely has jumped. It seems like the popular opinion is Virginia Tech should win this game pretty handily. But Wake Forest is not a bad team. They're they're sitting at 2-2, two and two, but they're by no means a bad team. Uh, Robert, you have the Hokies covering minus nine and a half, and you say Yo, this is going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, it really is going to be a good game to watch. Um, Virginia Tech and Wake Forest are second and third in the conference in scoring, respectively. Um, so these are two electric offenses um, that will score a lot of points. Um, you know, I think there's two things that it really comes down to me, down to for me. Um, first of all is Wake Forest defense. Um, their defense is not good at all. Um, Boogie Basham is a stud. Uh, shout out Hartman and Northside. Um, he is going to be playing on a lot of Sundays. Um, but you look at the rest of his uh, counterparts out there on defense and they are not good. They, um, despite being third in the conference and scoring offense, they are second to last in the conference and scoring defense. Um, and they, yeah, they give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of rushing yards. Um, so I think Khalil Herbert is going to have another special day, um, and they're not going to be able to stop us. Meanwhile, um, you know, their offense, as solid as it is, um, the stat that I, I really honed in on on my three reasons why Virginia Tech could beat Wake Forest article, um, and Sam, you're going to love this, is according to Sharp College Football, um, Wake's offense is eighth in the conference when it comes to explosive drives. That sort of thing. Um, and so, I mean, being eighth is not a bad number by any means, but if you compare that to the rest of their offensive production, that shows you that they don't really rely on a lot of big plays. They rely on, you know, killing you slowly, I suppose, um, and just short to medium length passes and runs. Um, Virginia Tech's, meanwhile, is last in the conference in um, explosive drives against. Um, so that means that our defense really struggles with big plays and giving up those big plays. Um, so Wake Forest is not really in a position to exploit that weakness that Tech has. Um, and I think Tech will match up better to slow down those short to medium length plays. I think you just brought up probably the most important stat of this game. It's where Virginia Tech's defense has struggled this year. Yes, they've had a lot of guys out, but it's been the big plays. I mean, look at that Boston College game. Most of their yards came in like the first quarter where they'd have one big pass play, uh, one big run play, and then Tech would you know, probably get a fumble or interception or something like that. And I think where some people are calling that turnover luck, I mean, those were forced turnovers. Uh, good coverage downfield. 
uh, rallying to the football, jumping on the loose ball. In past years, you might see Virginia Tech not get those turnovers, but they got them last week. And I think you bring up the best point. Wake Forest runs that uh, spread, the spread offense, but they run a mesh play. It's this really slow moving RPO play. Um, you know, I think that could hurt Virginia Tech a bit with how the interior of the defensive line has looked so far this season. But getting Deshaun Crawford back, I think, is big. I thought last week Dax Hollyfield played one of the better games that he's played in a while. He just looked more comfortable. Um, he looked like he was in position a lot more, and he even looked good defending the pass. I think he did have one pass defended, which is pretty rare for a linebacker, especially Dax. So I think that could be you know, a good matchup for Virginia Tech defensively to get back in the rhythm of things. And we talked about you know also having Jermaine Waller back as a lockdown corner. It's going to be huge. You know, offensively for Virginia Tech, I think you could see another 300 plus, maybe even 350 plus on the ground. I don't really think they'll need to pass that much. I don't think there's a reason. If you look at that UVA Wake Forest game, you know, UVA was in the game, I believe, tied in the fourth quarter until some turnovers hurt them and Wake Forest just blew the doors off of them. So I think if you're Virginia Tech, you look at that game saying, hey, the only way that these guys can you know, make this a game is if we give it to them. Let's not give it to them. Let's just keep running the ball. Uh, I think this is going to be a big game for Herbert, as you said, Robert. I think it could also be a big game for Blackshear if you get him in. Uh, he's the guy who can make a couple people miss, and he has probably the most speed on the field out of anybody. So I, I feel pretty confident in Virginia Tech minus 9.5. I think your one issue with taking this at minus 9.5 is like a backdoor cover somewhere. Uh, you know, Wake Forest is very capable offensively. We've gone over that. And I also think they're a well-coached team. They're not going to give up at the very end. So a backdoor cover might end up hurting you, similar to like it did in the Duke game. I think that is a possibility, but even still, I think Tech can win this one by two, three touchdowns pretty handily. Uh, you know, Ed, Brett, you guys both have the Hokies at minus nine and a half. We'll go into your thought process for this one. So I, as I said every week, Dave Clawson knows how to coach a football team. He, I think he truly is one of the best coaches in the conference, especially with what he has to deal with at Wake Forest. Just it's small school, you know, it's it's hard to recruit at a school like Wake Forest, and he has done really well. And he's been even more impressive to me this year, especially losing almost every skill position, losing their two best players on offense, and they're still one of the best offenses in the ACC right now. Uh, and they also have a top 15 pick on the defensive line. That being said, the Hokies right now are really feeling it. They're hot. I mean, they played really well last week. I mean, they beat UNC in three quarters. I think everybody would want to have played that game again with everybody in full power. I think we truly would beat UNC. Um, really, I think they can, can cover by two or so touchdowns. I agree with you, Sam. I think you're going to see some knots in the playbook. I think you're going to see Raheem Blackshear get a little more involved this week just because I think he's slowly getting more production, getting used to the offense. Um, I think we're going to try to throw the ball a little more this week as well. I really do, even though running has been absolutely, you know, been the mainstay. And the one thing I beg Corlson to do is give Herbert the ball in the first drive just to make the set that precedent of, of running the ball. That way we can open up the passing game early enough in the game instead of having to catch up and running the ball after passing it for the first few drives and try to run it. So I think we'll cover by two or so touchdowns. Um, I can see a backdoor cover. I really could. I agree with you too. Um, but I think we're going to get about two or two or so touchdowns without a backdoor cover. 
Yeah, there's no reason for that to be a backdoor cover in this game. We should beat them by two scores. Um, they're just not. They're not as good as we are. I mean, we're we're a more talented team. Um, even you know with all the issues we've had with COVID and you know leading up to this game, if you look at our numbers, Braxton Burmeister is still our leading passer, um, and he's thrown the ball 50 less times than Sam Hartman has for Wake Forest. This is a ground and pound team. The Hokies just run the ball, and it's quite frankly, come a little too easy. In my opinion, there needs to be more diversity in this offense. We need to be able to throw the ball more. Um, we have not taken advantage of the middle field the way I would expect a team of this talent to. Um, I would love to see Trey Turner get more involved. I, as much as I'd love to see Herbert get involved early in the game, I, I would much rather see Turner get involved early in the game. He's just a freak and he should have, you know, way more production than he has so far. Um, and I also kind of selfishly hope that the coaches do give the ball to Herbert as much as possible and as often as possible, because it'd be pretty sweet to continue this Herbert for Heisman situation um, for as long as possible. So please let's kind of pad his stats as much as we can. And you guys all brought up Raheem Blackshear. I would love to see him more involved in the passing game. That was something we heard about all off season and you can see it in his Rutgers film. Uh, him catching the ball, you know, on a swing route out of the backfield or in the slot. I would love to see more of that because that dude's pretty special in space. And I would love to find ways to get him more involved in the offense from a passing attack perspective. Cause I do think that's been very limiting so far. Um, I don't know that it'll become a problem against a team like Wake Forest. I think we should cover regardless, as long as our defense, you know, stays consistent and stays true to its assignments, we should be okay. in containing Sam Hartman and their, you know, kind of lack thereof running attack that Wake has, but as the season progresses, we need to get the passing attack more involved. And I think as we each week goes by, Hendon Hooker will be able to do so. So that's my take. Herbert for Heisman. Let's keep pounding him the ball as much as we possibly can because it's pretty fun to talk about. Herbert for Heisman. Hey, I like it. And he's, he's on pace. He's on pace to break some David Wilson records here. And those are sacred in Blacksburg. And I do agree to Trey Turner needs to be more involved. Last week, he was sidelined a bit with an undisclosed injury, but looks good to go. And I think it's, you know, Robert, you put a great piece on sons of Saturday.com. It's guys are keying in on him. Defenses are keying in on Trey Turner and they're going to make you beat them in other ways. Has not worked out for anyone so far. So we'll see if wake forest continues that they're a very well coached team. So they will present a challenge to Virginia tech. Tech's not going to walk over them. They're going to have to play a good football game. Uh, you know, Chris, what do you got here? Because you are the guy who's saying wake forest, Plus nine and a half. So call this the uh, the the Ryan Hartman dissenting opinion. Uh, if you want to officially title it that, call it the the emotional hedge. Um, essentially, just looking into this game, the closer I understood more about how Wake Forest actually is managing to score the football, given just the massive departure of a lot of their weapons in the beginning of the season before it even started. Um, it kind of plays off what uh, Irby mentioned earlier. You know, they're they're not up there and explosive, but he mentioned the efficiency of the drives. They're near the top. I think they are the number one drive efficiency offense in college football. So they they get it down the field ugly, but it works. Um, and then you also mentioned about how you know they're they're not turning the ball over. They're actually have a plus eight turnover margin right now. Sam Hartman is not throwing interceptions they're not fumbling the football that extends drives when the other team is not able to create kind of quote-unquote havoc which is essentially what the virginia tech defense is predicated upon we are a havoc creating team and i thought that was going to be the 
kind of carried out sentiment throughout the entire season because the first two games we were crushing it, you know, six to seven sacks a game, multiple tackles for loss. And then it just disappeared over the last two games. We've fallen off a cliff. I think we've gotten one sack a game in the last two games respectively. So that production's gone. And so now you have a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, a team that generally doesn't make mistakes who is scoring the football and a defense is not necessarily good at pressuring the other side. So I just think those two factors combined um, just kind of creates a stage where uh, Wake Forest, it looks like, you know, it could be like 31 type 17 type game late in the fourth quarter. Wake Forest gets the football garbage time scoring and covers. I, I do think that's more of a reality um, than just completely shutting them out because, you know, this team, um, I just don't think they're going to be mistake prone in this matchup with the defense. That's not necessarily creating those mistakes. I mean, five turnovers is not going to happen again. That was, that was unusual. That's an outlier. Um, so I'm, I'm banking on the fact that, you know, all things being equal, you know, a, a, a plotting offense down the field might not necessarily be the best matchup for what we're looking at now, which is more of like a bend, but don't break cre- habit creating defense. Yeah, that ties into what Robert said about um, you know explosive drives, advanced analytics. I think that's the most important part of this game. But Ryan, you bring up another really, really important part of this game where you're looking at this and Wake Forest has been susceptible to sacks. Sam Hartman has not done a good job of keeping those really crisp black and gold uniforms for the Demon Deacons clean. He's been on the ground a lot this year. Yeah, and I think I think that's the point that I was going to chime in with at the end here is um, Chris brings up a great point in that he's been proje- protecting the ball through the air and hasn't thrown it to the other team. But I think where we can really see and a key a key to the game is can our defensive line you know break out of this mini slump they've been in and get to him and cause some fumbles behind the you know with him behind the line. I think. You know, this Wake Forest offensive line is really not good. Um, And it's they've given up. I think I mentioned in the article, it's something like a a sack every 7.8 dropbacks. And if we can control the ball on the ground and go up big, we're going to, you know, go up 7, 14 points. We're going to force them to throw the ball. And I, I really would like to see some interesting blitz packages. You know, Barno's shown his capabilities. I'd love to see Reed break out of his slump as well. Um, and I think we can cause some turnovers in the backfield as opposed to, you know, Hartman throwing it to the other team. I think we can get some fumbles there behind the line. Um, and, you know, I, uh, Vegas is Vegas is throwing out some weird lines to me. I, I thought last week it was it was, uh, you know, too many points that we were favored by. I think this week it's, it's too little, which may not be the greatest sign. But um, yeah, I guess they proved they proved me wrong last week, but it should be an interesting game. I think a, a great, great battle to watch is the RD line against their O line to see if our D line can really break out. Yeah, you just brought up an interesting point, Sam, real quick. Uh, how good is Amari Barno? And can we see more of that, please? And thank you. That dude's a stud. He's been the best defensive lineman Tech has had this year. Unbelievable. I think Justice Reed has looked good in spurts, but Amari Barno has been a baller. And, and you Omar. see him on the field too. He just looks like a complete freak. And then he's got three and a half sacks through what four games, like in very limited snaps. Let's see more of that, please. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more of him in the coming games, just because as the defense gets settled in, as we get more players, you know, back. I think you're going to see him, and he's going to be just all over the field. I mean, he's a freak. And and, and to be honest, I don't even think he's at his full potential size wise. I mean, he. I think he. I think you give him a full. 
spring and summer off season next next season next off season and coming back next year i mean he's going to look like i mean he's going to probably be he'll be the biggest player and the most scariest player we've had since probably Tremaine Edmonds i mean he's already halfway there in my opinion he looks a lot like Tremaine did his freshman year I completely agree with that. And also the same can be said for Dorian Strong. That kid is so exciting. I'm really pumped for him. He looks legit back there. People looking at Dorian Strong's recruiting numbers in a past life, I did do a lot of recruiting work. Uh, He didn't really play until his senior year. He had another D1 guy playing in a couple D1 guys playing in front of him. So that's kind of why his recruiting numbers were so low. Uh, No one really thought that this guy wasn't a good player. He got a lot of attention his senior year from a lot of Power 5 schools all across the country, including some Pac-12 schools. But he said, no, I'm sticking with Virginia Tech. And boy, are we glad he did. He's a baller. He's a really good player. He's got those long arms that all the Fuller brothers had, which is super exciting. Uh, you know, anything else on this game, guys? Next. Sorry. sorry. sorry Jim. I truly believe he's the next in the line of DBU type guys. I I, I think he's legit. He's He's really, really exciting to watch. I'm pumped that we have him. Yeah, that play, that one play he had, and we all know what play it is, the one where he, I mean, coming down on the field, chasing a receiver down the field, and basically watching the receiver instead of coming on a crossing route is one is the hardest play for a defensive back to make. And for him to be able to be that athletic, jump up and tip that ball away with his back turned, watching the receiver's eyes, very reminiscent to me of the Kendall Fuller tip against William & Mary on his first game ever as a Virginia Tech football player. Um, I'm also reminiscent of Kyle Fuller against that against Alabama back in I think it was 2013. That one play, that one play, on a crossing route. I mean, stuff like that. That's a football play, and football players make football plays. And like you said, he really wasn't taking football seriously, and the fact that he's making plays like that is just insane. Yeah, and as a true freshman, it's pretty special to see. But you also have to think about like Ryan brought up, you know, Amari Barno, and you know what he's done so far. He's essentially a freshman in terms of defensive line. Uh, in his career and the guy that he kind of reminds me of on an NFL standard is Montez Sweat for the um, the Washington football team. Uh, Montez Sweat's a freak athlete playing defensive end and so is Amari Barno and I really hope that mm-hmm. with time in the weight room I think there'll be a similar production level um, when it's all said and done. Yeah he's probably got I would say 20 to 30 pounds that he could gain in the weight room I think at least. He looks like a safety. Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and I I think you might see this Virginia Tech defense start to become, um, you know, a more full picture of what they should be. They should be healthy. I do think we have had some comments from players in the last few weeks that it is taking some time to adjust to the new scheme, and that they didn't really have the practice time leading up to the season to really get that, um, get that mental part of playing defense down pat so you'd like to see them continue to progress as the season goes forward i think that'll tell us more about justin hamilton and more about some of the young guys on this defense than maybe looking at the stats from the unc game or some of the raw stats from the bc game guys i have a prop bet for you on this game but talking about prop bets mike mcdaniel not able to join us he's busy doing his real job uh but we have some great prop bets check out the article locks of saturday week eight on sons of saturday.com he has some Syracuse Clemson action, Notre Dame at Pitt action. Uh, I took Pittsburgh money line, by the way. Everything about that seems like a Pittsburgh win to me. But what do I know? I just picked Florida State to beat UNC last week. Uh, some Big Ten stuff in there, too. So check it out. Uh, he's got some great stuff there. My prop bet for this game, and I really thought about this one 
if I want to say this tech get over 350 yards rushing or something like that. But I think the point that keeps being brought up, and I think we need to talk about is Virginia Tech passing the football. They haven't had to do it. Even when the game, game against UNC, they could just run the ball. They're continually just getting chunks by chunks, but eventually they're going to have to throw the football. And in order to do that, you kind of have to practice throwing the football. And that's what I'm a little worried about this team moving forward is how much game experience they have throwing the ball. So here's my prop bet for you. Hendon Hooker over under 19.5 pass attempts in this game. He has 28 total pass attempts on the season, including the UNC second half and the game against Boston College. 19 and a half. I think I'm going to go under here. Um, and my, my thought behind this, the first thing that, that came to my mind was in that Boston college game, Hendon threw five passes in the second half. Um, that is not a lot. Um, and it ultimately just came down to, we were running the ball so well and Cornelson likes to do what works and running the ball worked. So we ran the ball. Um, and I think that this game will be pretty much the exact same story. I think Sam, I think you have a point about repetition and just um, maybe a little bit of rustiness if we, we're not passing the ball a lot. Um, but ultimately, I, I think that the Hokies are going to stick to what works and what's most likely to work is continuing to run the ball nonstop. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going go, to go with the under as well, um, mainly because of how electric Hendon looked running the ball. I mean, I, I think we can get this, this defense um, a little bit off kilter just with these, you know, with these, uh, you know, uh, option plays and um, whether Hooker keeps it, gives it to Herbert, you know, the defense is going to be guessing all day and probably going to be keying in to stop Herbert again, just, just with his success. And um, I think I'm going under just because I think we won't need it. I think we'll, uh, again, a very similar narrative to the past games where we've just been able to run it. And um, this Wake Forest defense is, 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 is accept- susceptible to the run and has some smaller players in the secondary that if we can get those guys continuing to block downfield, some big plays on the, in the run game are going to – we're not going to need to throw big bombs downfield. I'm actually going to go over because not because I think we're going to need to throw the ball. I don't, but I think we will go over 19 and a half because I think Fuente knows we're going to have to at some point and that at, we got to, you know, like Sam said, practice it. Um, you know, assuming everything goes correct in the way we think it's going to against wake, it should, we should win that game, but then you're going into um, a tough stretch there against, you know, Louisville, who has talent and hasn't shown it, who knows, maybe they'll show it against Virginia Tech and we're going to have to throw. My point is at some point we're going to have to throw, and I think Fuente recognizes that. And he also wants to get some of these, you know, legit playmakers we have out in space on the edge, get them the ball more. Um, So I don't know that we're going to need to throw the ball 20 times, but I think the coaching staff recognizes the need to do so. And hopefully – you know, we're in a position during this game where we can kind of, you know, practice some things and throw the ball more than 20 times. Plus, I think it's just more fun for everyone on the team. Um, so hopefully the coaching staff recognizes that and we, you know, air it out a little bit more than maybe we need to, but it'll be worth it in the long run. Yeah, guys, I'm going to go over here as well. 
with Ed, and I think it'll be a close over. I think you might see 20, 21 pass attempts from Hendon Hooker. And the reason behind that is I also think that there's getting a little bit extra faith in Caleb Smith at wide receiver that, you know, Fuente might not have had. And I don't want to say that, you know, claim that he didn't believe that Caleb Smith was a good wide receiver. I think we saw last year when he did play, he was able to make some plays. Uh, and he's very capable. He's a great blocker downfield. And I think that's a big deal in this offense as well. But just from some of the post-game comments, and I think what this offense really wants to be, they're going to have to figure out a way to get the passing game into the offense, to get those linebackers a little bit further off the line of scrimmage. I think you see some screen plays as well. Those have worked out well. Um, I think you see some deep shots to James Mitchell. Uh, there was one last week, I believe. It was called back for a penalty. I think you might see two or three of those, especially just against a not very talented secondary in Wake Forest. Uh, I think you might see some shots downfield, uh, especially if the game's wide open. I mean, you might as well. You might as well try something out. Again, I think it is, as Ed said, it's big for team morale also to see, you know, being able to throw the ball around, get the ball in the receiver's hands, some, let them go to work because one of the best players on this team is Trey Turner, and he was sidelined last week. We talked about him last week needing to get more touches. I think you need to get him involved in the offense a bit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we got for you guys. Virginia Tech minus nine and a half at Wake Forest. Hendon Hooker, we're putting it over under 19 and a half attempts. Uh, if you have a take on that, tweet it at us. Uh, you can tweet at Sons of Saturday. You can tweet at Sam of Saturday to me. Does anyone else want to plug their Twitter? I haven't done this. And I keep saying like, oh, people can hit us up on Twitter and I never share any of your Twitter handles. At Rob underscore Irby. At Ryan Hartman, just my name, Ryan Hartman 44. Yeah, I still have my high school Twitter handle, but I feel like it's I feel like it works. It's at not under double underscore BS as in my initials. I mean, my Twitter matches my handle. I don't really <laughs> BS around on there. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll post a thread with all of our Twitters on there. Chris, do you have one? Do I follow you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like the least social media kind of forward savvy, putting my uh, heart on my sleeve on social media. But um, uh, I, I believe I have it linked on the Scribes page. I can't recall it right now. So that tells you how active I am on Twitter. I, I got a blow the cobwebs off that thing. You did. Dude, that was such a, that was week. such an old man question. By Sam. <laughs> yeah, Chris, do you have a Twitter? By the way, <laughs> yeah. How are you kids Chris, doing? You know what Twitter is. <laughs> You can hit up Chris's MySpace page at myspace.com forward slash Chris Himes one two three. Hey, MySpace was where it's at. That that that's where it all started. I was a friend of Tom. Hey hey Chris, if you can't talk with us about the game on Twitter, I think my mom would like some conversation on Facebook Messenger. So you can you can uh, talk to her and her friends about that one. Hey, 2006, class of 2006, we actually had the AOL Instant Messenger guy on our class ring. So that tells you kind of what era I'm coming from here right now. Well, I told you, we did have diverse opinions. We have Sam Howell being compared to Mitch Trubisky, and then he's compared to Tom Brady. So, you know, we got it all here for you with the locks of Saturday. It's it's going to be a really fun week. I'm so happy to have Big Ten football back. I'm so happy not to be picking a Pittsburgh game. I'm so happy not to be picking another Georgia game. We have some, you know, have some diversity in our picks now. It looks to be super exciting. It feels like football is back, back with the Big Ten being played. I don't think there's any 
argument about that. And also some late night Mountain West will make me really happy. I don't know if any of you care, but it makes me really happy. And I'm the host of this, so I'm going to put it on there. Uh, you know, thanks so much for taking some time to listen to us. I know we ran a little bit long tonight, but it was awesome. Please check us out. The article is up on sunsaturday.com. Week eight. Go Hokies.